a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very good. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, we have the honor of speaking with the great and powerful Blair McDaniel. She runs Informal Mystic. She helps folks um, transition from orthodox religion to a more spiritual path, breaking out of that with all of their religious trauma. She also even all the way down to facilitating weddings and funerals for folks that have broken out of that system uh, that don't have a place to go do that. So it's incredibly well thought out uh, in how she talks about about deconstructing, reconstructing uh, her childhood past and brought up in the church as most of us were. And then, I mean, for lack of a better term, escaped, like broke out, got out of it, which is wonderful. Uh, so uh, we cover uh, the slave Bible. We talk about white saviorism, um, the belief in hell and God. I mean, it, it goes really, really deep, and she does a wonderful job. So you will absolutely love this conversation. So for all the ways to find her, uh, check the show notes for all the links. And then if you want to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do that through expandingrealitypodcast.com, and that is linked in the show notes as well. So without any further ado, let's get to this amazing episode with Blair McDaniel. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lizard people and aliens, time travelers, all of you out there, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I have Blair McDaniel with us today. She is absolutely incredible. Uh, she is from the Informal Mystic, and we are going to get into some amazing stuff tonight. So before we launch into it, Blair, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, overcoming lots of obstacles uh, to make it to this episode. Uh, but yeah, excellent. It's a full moon. Um, just, yeah, enjoying um, the energy of the full moon and excited to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, truly grateful for you. We're grateful that you are here. Now, I met you through uh, Mira Taylor, of course, and uh, she does Moon and Ruin, and I absolutely adore her, absolutely already adore you. We have been having some challenges here. We're starting, I guess, 50 minutes after our agreed upon time here. I've having challenges in the studio. Like you said, full moon. We're having stuff going. Siri won't get her shit together uh -huh. on your side. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. So this is already a fantastic episode. We have been having a good time behind the scenes here so i was like let's get the audience in on this so uh so religious trauma is what you talk about a lot and this is one of these topics that i find very very necessary but that's that i in my observation hasn't been talked about enough uh will you just explain that to us just a little bit and then we'll get cracking so um i feel like the reason that it's it's not talked about much is because i feel like we're kind of on the cusp um as far as 
the national like exodus from church. I don't feel like that many people um, have a, a deep awareness of, of what's happening. Um, and so we are all leaving at the same time. We're all looking back at the same time. And we're all saying like, oh my gosh, um, that was really messed up. <laughs> uh, I have deep trauma based upon my time and my participation in organized religion. Um, but yeah, uh, any, I mean, I, I can't say any, I really don't like to speak in like blanket statements. This one's hard not, not to, to be honest. Uh, but I'll say that uh, most, of, most of the time when a person leaves a high control religious environment, there's just a lot of really deep seated um, issues and trauma, lots of uh, conditioning to unlearn. Um, and it's just, it's just really hard on the, on the other side, so. No, it definitely is. And that's why what you're doing is fantastic. So, and if you don't mind, uh, for my audience, just give us a little bit about yourself before we launch into, because I'm, I'm so pumped to talk to you about this. I have a million questions. So, but, and I skipped all over the part where we introduce you. So I do apologize, but if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, my name is Blair McDaniel. Like, like you said, um, I uh, started Informal Mystic at the beginning of 2021 uh, with the express purpose of meeting the needs of post-religious people. Um, and I realized there was a lack of uh, spiritual, um, I don't wanna say direction, but uh, people weren't getting their spiritual needs met. Um, and so we were seeing lots of people who uh, needed uh, like funeral, you know, funeral services, wedding services, um, spirituality, uh, just the capacity to talk about spiritual things. And nobody, there's just no access for people who didn't have like a pastor. Um, so, so that would be why, why the way that I entered into this business and how I kind of got into um, what I'm doing. And um, over the course of the past 10 months, it's kind of evolved. Um, and so now I'm offering uh, spirituality coaching um, and I've just kind of uh, picked up a new healing modality, uh, quantum energy therapy. And pairing these two um, things, spirituality coaching with this quantum energy therapy is it feels just very, uh, I feel, I feel very at home finally. So, um, it, it, I get to bring my love of psychology, my love of uh, the mind, the, the way the mind functions. And I get to add this deep, uh, mystical, uh, spiritual experience. And it's just, I feel very lucky and blessed to be able to do it. Hashtag blast. Hashtag blast. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I found this absolutely fascinating with you as well that you facilitate, you know, like you said, the ceremonies that are usually performed mm -hmm. in um, ritualist traditions, but these are for people specifically looking to escape that because, yeah, trauma. Um, yeah. And it, it's fascinating, though, the, the way. So have you found this split? Like, are there some people out there that do two, like one for their family that wants to be super religious and then maybe one for them? Or do you mostly deal with folks that have just completely detached from that altogether and therefore have severed all ties with the church? Um, okay. So you're talking about like weddings and funerals or coaching or the okay, weddings, so, the ceremonies. Yeah. Um, I, I find that, I find that when people uh, leave the church, they are almost expecting to have some sort of like backlash um, families will either adapt to the situation or they'll just disown the person. And so I'm not seeing a lot of like fence riding. I don't, I don't see some people having a religious ceremony and then a non-religious ceremony. I'm just seeing people like 
we're having a, a non-religious ceremony. If you'd like to join, these are our boundaries. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't think the the, uh, the fence riding is not our vibe at all. In the deconstruction community, um, in the ex-evangelical community, and we'll probably like talk more about what that means uh, at a later point, um, but we don't ride the fence anymore. We were given such a staunch uh, indoctrination, uh, such a set of beliefs that once we break them, uh it's you know what we what what else is going to happen what's the worst that can happen once we've walked out the door of our whole lives you know so i we i feel like there's a lot of defiance and a lot of like okay do you, what do you the are you sure are you you what would you like to do would you like to come to my wedding or would you like to pout and wish that you could come to my wedding <laughs> or wish i was a christian or you know whatever um but like just bring it on you know we don't i don't really care you know that happens all the time too and it's so tragic that these people pick these ideologies over like their gay son getting married or something like that it's just so fucked up it's it's so fucked up that kid that you raised forever is worth this kind of stupid anyway uh but you know um what what happens in my family so we'll just go uh, very behind the curtain here is that my folks super religious uh, brothers and I are not uh, but brothers will go to church services with them just to be mm-hmm. a part of the family and appease even though that they know it's not part of their belief system we don't really have really any trauma from it we just i mean i guess on a level but you you kind of i guess grow out of that and that's what you do you help folks evolve away from that uh, and integrate it into their lives in a healthy way but um they'll go to like church services and stuff i've got no uh, issue you know but i also don't want to go there you know what i mean but also there's there's kind of an element of like transcending that you know and being uh that which you see in the wish to see in the world right be the change and so kind of um being able to still like stomach an experience for the sake of a family member or a wedding or something like that uh, is something that I'm completely there with you, right? Um, it's it's kind of like we said, it's like the next level after the trauma has been um, properly dealt with. So um, what what got you into the work that you're doing now? How did this evolve from where you started to what you're doing now? Okay, so um, I would say just with the, uh, the spirituality coaching c- component, uh, I have a natural uh, inclination or tendency to like be very good at mirroring people. And so I feel like I've kind of done that my whole life. Um, but oddly enough, when I was in church, the um, last group that I participated in was this like really intensive healing group where we like worked through uh, lots of different um psychology themes lots of different like healing techniques and um i really was able to kind of hone my craft there which again that's such an irony um you know that i could feel gratitude for a place that took so much but i worked with so many women so many um suffering hurting people um that uh that would be kind of like how i i really settled into like spirituality coaching is what I really want to do. Um, now, as far as like the quantum energy stuff, um, I left church and it was as though I just started from the very ground. Like, it was like, what kind of house do you want to build now? 
and super exploratory. Um, I decided that 2020 was going to be my year of spiritual exploration. I was going to go to a sweat lodge. I was going to go um, travel. I was going to take mushroom trips. I was going to do all of the things. And then, as you know, the world shut down. What? No. <laughs> I know. I was so mad. Um, but then I realized that uh, 2020 was actually my year of spiritual exploration. It was just a different kind. Um, and so I entered business still, you know, like really deeply, uh, into the psychology, deeply into offering, um, really spiritual experiences for weddings and funerals and continue to kind of, um, pull things in and, uh, experience new versions of spirituality. I was just curious about everything. Uh, and I met my, uh, I'll call her my mentor. Um, she did a guide reading in, uh, I, I think it was May of this past year. And from there, it was just like, <laughs> and we're off. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she introduced me to this quantum uh, energy uh, modality of healing. And um, it just felt so profoundly impactful for me in my life. And it just really took off quickly. It was, it was like I had done a lot of the inner work required to um, fit this in as a puzzle piece. And when I fit it, when I plugged it in, it was just like, a, 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 you know, brilliant, vibrant light came on in my life. So that's an incredible way to put it because absolutely you do. You find that every step you take leads you to exactly where you are and all of them were absolutely necessary for you to be here because you do, you build up a bit of a toolbox. You build up these skills that then you apply in this magical way all of a sudden and it all aligns and you're like, yes, this is all badass. I love this stuff. So um, I, first of all, wanted to compliment you on your website. Uh, secondly, I wanted to uh, touch on uh, something in, I guess, your latest blog post, the one titled uh, Childhood Stolen by Hell. Uh, so t uh, tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Okay, so um, I sort of uh, settled down and like niched into the deconstruction community, I would say like over the summer. I realized that's like really where I wanted to kind of uh, grow roots. And, um, because it was just still like, it's just what I know. It's like what I lived and breathed for, uh, you know, 32 years of my life. And, uh, for me to just drop it, didn't feel like, right. It almost felt like I had reached a point where I, I could, I could then turn and be like, Hey, like, come on, let's go this way. This is the way that we can go now. Like I've, I've been here before and I can help you along if you'd like, um, and so then I kind of began uh, breaking down some of the big themes of uh, why Christianity was so toxic and hell, <clears throat> excuse me, hell was very, very high on that list. In fact, I think it may have been the highest on the list for me. Um, and so that's where I started. And I just, uh, in the blog, I just tell my story, like, why, why is it okay for us to give children a version of hell? How, how can a child be expected to live a normal life when they are terrified that they could go to hell with a one wrong choice? And how can a child be expected to um, engage in normal, healthy relationships with the people around them when they're constantly uh, beholden to evangelizing them? 
saving their souls from hell. And so, you know, I had people around me that I interpreted their life as a ungodly one. And I was hyper fixated on these people. Like I need to save uh, the soul of my sister. I need to save the soul of my friend. I need to save the soul of this other person. And it was all on me. You know, there was no, um, no division of labor here. It was all on me. So uh, yeah, I feel like I I lost a lot of my childhood. I felt like I lost a lot of um, normal childhood experiences. I didn't get to play because I was just so worried about hell. Um, And then even when I did play, there was the punctuation of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I good? Am I being a good girl? Um, So yeah, I, I wrote that with the, um, hope that other people would be like, Oh gosh, me too. Um, and like, like make the finite choice to, uh, take hell apart. That that's my biggest one. Uh, that, that one in, uh, just a single word, actually, the reason that I don't think your eternal damnation is up to something like that, just with one single word interpretation if it can be interpreted and skewed one way or another then it can't be that dire because you're not given an absolutely clear message from altruistic sources um, that should be extra in nature because it's your eternal soul right or it should be just innate it's like yeah yeah trees do that and then they lose their leaves in the winter it happens every year you know oh yeah yeah. Uh, the way to your eternal soul just do whatever the hell you want and be happy vibrate high okay so let's go check out this waterfall it should be that instead it's a lot of this religious indoctrination and yes so would argue that it is child abuse because there's a few things that you like don't need to involve kids in in my opinion now i will i will say this caveat uh, i do not have kids and i am not religious but <laughs> i i know i at least can look at these things um and kind of make an in i guess an intelligent comment about it because it is it's something like if you want to wait you know because what's the motivation to tell a child that right is it to scare the shit out of them because that's what worked for this particular individual in their religion because that's what it took for them to buy it was that it's just they're so scared right and so you're not really doing it out of love you're doing it out of coercion you're saying okay well you can either love me and do all these cool things that i say and i wrote a book about it uh and then uh or you go burnt forever and then all your fucking family dies and shit and then but also so you got to go out and save everybody else from doing the same thing, even though I gave everyone free will. And I know it, you know, there's no time because I created that. So I could see the past, present, and future. And I know you're going to hell and you're going to hell and you're going, you know what I mean? It falls apart very, very quickly. But the hell part of it really, really dicked with me. So I'm absolutely there with you. Now, I like what you said. Uh, you had brought up in the beginning of that blog that uh, as a young child in church, you stood up and, you know, you're very vocal because you've, you know, you're uh, very into the showmanship. And I <laughs> like that. Uh, that makes you very affable and great at what you do. Uh, but also you stood up and told everybody how they were going to go burn in hell. And like you just preached basically. And then by middle school, you were asking, so since we're all God's children uh, and God doesn't send children to hell, we must all go to heaven. Now, it's that kind of logic at a young age that I love. And that's why whenever you pointed that out in the blog, I was like, hell yes, at that young, able to see through the bullshit. And it's beautiful. And even then, though, your teacher said, mm, I don't think it works like that. So it's like this blase passed off because what you find a lot is not a lot of people even question that shit. They're just like, huh. You know, they don't even take it to the point of a middle schooler sitting there saying like, I see a little hole in the logic here. So, um, how do, do you, okay. So back to the child thing and then I'll, I'll get out of your way here. But, I. Uh, Whenever you talked about the um, kids and growing up in a household like that, it's it's kind of challenging, right? Because for their belief system to perpetuate itself, 
they have to instill this on their children early. And there's been, you know, that famous Bishop Pope back in the 1500s that said, you give me a kid from the age of, you know, zero to seven or whatever, and I'll give you a Catholic for life. And so it's that indoctrination period that's important for the structure of the ideology. Uh, But without that, they might do something silly like figure out that it's bullshit and then uh, do something else and not have a chance to get so sucked into it that they get basically brainwashed is how a lot of people put this. Now, we're very objective on this show. I also want to say that there's a lot of beautiful Christians out there and a lot of beautiful Muslims out there and a lot of beautiful people. This is not what we're talking about. You guys that are out there doing this and you do it for the right reasons, and even a lot of Christians these days are kind of questioning the concept of hell. And... um, So, but with the kids like that, so what's the answer for these parents with the ideologies like that? They, they have this rigid structure. They have to instill this. Their kids are going to go to hell from their perspective. And it's nothing else that helps them parent a little bit better. It makes it easier. Um, kind of like an elf on the shelf kind of a deal. They can just kind of, Oh, God's always watching. You're going to go to hell and burn forever if you do that. Um, so what do you think the answer is from their ideology? Um, they want to perpetuate their belief system, but they're doing it on kids. What, what's the answer? I mean, are these like receptive people? <laughs> Will they listen to suggestion? Uh, <clears throat> I feel like if you have an ideology, uh, you have a human responsibility to um, examine whether or not that ideology is like inherently moral. Um, we all have like an agreed upon system of morality. And if it's violating this agreed upon system of morality that like we're all, you know, in, um, then I think you have a responsibility to evaluate that and figure out, are there alternatives? Because if there's an alternative, um, then you, you can't double down on something. If there's Christians that believe that there isn't a hell then that is the pathway out friends like if if there is a chance that you could be wrong sit with that and uh let that soak in and and follow that rabbit trail as far as it'll go um now i don't when you have a belief system like that it's it's serving you um and so these people are clinging to the idea of hell for a lot of very um you know, I would say, I would say valid reasons. Uh, it's a horrible belief system to believe in, but, uh, people need something to pin their ego on. Um, there's layers of why somebody would choose this as a belief system. And so I would say for people who, who it's still serving, they, they aren't going to take any of my advice for sure. Cause I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to hell in their books. So. Right. Right. <laughs> And that's one of the interesting parts about this, because those aren't the people that you need to affect, right? The ones that, yeah. the the ones that are, and this is what this is the stance I take, and I know you are as well. Uh, that you're just a lighthouse. You're like, hey, I'm here. Uh, if you've got questions or if you 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 need me, I'm here. But with the with the kids, it's tricky. Now, um, lately, a lot I've been just kind of zooming way the fuck out, like way the fuck out from situations to look back at them and say, okay, where are we at on this, and apply different um, kind of thoughts that I've had about it. Now, to the thought that we're like all one and all that stuff and adversary and Buddha and everything is suffering and that you need the adversary and stuff, these situations, just like in yours and my case and a lot of others that I've talked to, played a massive role in their spiritual awakening. And so it's almost necessary for these folks to go through this. And that's what it is. It's kind of like an alternate belief system. But what I like about spirituality as a concept, uh, we because what, we what we're talking about here is the vast majority of people were raised in a religious type household, right? It's usually not 
things like what we're talking about here, uh, about like unity consciousness and that we're all one mm -hmm. and um, quantum healing techniques and hypnosis and stuff. Uh, this isn't really what we're talking about, but this is sought after. This is wisdom. This is knowledge that, you know, the mystics say that you have to achieve. And so this is almost like we all go through these spiritual journeys if you really want to question and wake up. But some people just don't. And those are the people raising kids in Christian ideologies because, again, I'm going to generalize, but it's safe. It's easy. They don't have to do critical thinking. It's all the critical thinking has been done for them. They just toe the line. And that's a whole sect of the population and a vast majority at that. But I think that that side of it is very necessary because you have that to compare what you're striving for too. If you want to fall in line, that option's there. But if you want to seek other things, you have a great example of why you shouldn't turn around, right? So do you think that there's anything to that, that that's a proper assessment that we can, you know, from a higher perspective, I guess, be a little bit easier on the folks that choose not to get out of that ideology? Because I know you have sympathy for those folks that, um, that just can't see it. They just don't want to see it. And that's okay, right? Yeah. So I, I completely resonate with everything you just said. Um, I feel like, let's see, so if we're going to like you know, scale back and look at like a, maybe not the, the most macro view, but like a more macro view. Um, I feel like we kind of choose our incarnation. And so <clears throat> if it's that widespread, excuse me, <clears throat> if it's that widespread, uh, there would, it wouldn't be a benefit. You, like it, it's so widespread and where there's so many people that are incarnating into lives that are super religiously structured that there has to be some reason it's serving our ascension, like our collective ascension. Right. Um, for me personally, I can, and let, let's like micro, let's zoom it in on my life specifically, but I can tell you without a doubt that if I did not enter into the Christian religion and work it as hard as I did, pursue it as strong as I did, that I don't know if I would have like made it beyond uh, the religion. Like the re for me, the religion was the path up to a more transcendent spirituality. I was able to develop my ego in ways that I may not have had I not been uh, in such a black and white religion. You know, I knew at, the, at a very early age what was good and what was bad and what was right and what was wrong. And I knew it just deep, deep in my, in, you know, I don't know if I knew it in my soul. I don't know if I want to take it that far, but I knew it in my bones. Um, you know, this is good and this is bad. And that's the kind of structure that you need to develop an ego. And so once I was able to develop this ego, I noticed my ego. And then once I noticed my ego, I befriended my ego. And so it was this progression. Um, and, you know, something I'm seeing a lot in deconstruction spaces right now is that everybody's like, oh, darn, we wasted our life. You know, uh, there's like that meme with Buzz Lightyear. And he's like, oh, you know, all those years in flight school ruined. And everybody's like, that's what it feels like being in the deconstruction space. And, you you know, you just left church. And I know all those songs and those Bible verses, but here I am. It's useless. But to me, it's not useless. It was so useful. And I think that some people may look at my life on the outside and say, oh, look, she's turned such a dramatic left. She just blew everything up back there and she's on a whole new path. But for me, it's a progression. I started here and I've been walking forward ever since. You know, I never stopped walking forward, even though that walk looked like Christian faith. And I, 
I haven't fully mined the depths of this, but I feel like my obsession with Jesus, my obsession with the Bible is what propelled me onward into this new space of mysticism and expansive consciousness, um, source consciousness. And if I hadn't had that, would I be here? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, maybe, but um, I have such a deep gratitude for the time I spent in church. And having this gratitude is what empowers me to look back and say, oh man, I was doing the best I could back then. I was fucking it up, but (laughs) (laughs) I was doing the best that I could. And my suspicion is that these people are also doing the best that they can. Even if they're not, it does not hurt me to think that they are, you know, like I'm going to give myself the best belief system that's going to make my life the best. And to think that they are choosing the only thing that they can choose, that only thing that makes sense. And they're doing the very best that they can. If that's what their life is, that's, that's like, okay, you know, well, there's a reason for it. They'll get it right next time or maybe the next time. And, and this is what I, this is what I'm thinking on this. So it's, it's almost like that this is like a, you know, like a class, right. Or like a school, but it's all, it all takes place in the same school, like a high school, let's say, but there are four grade levels there. Right. And they all interact, but they're all at very different levels of maturity of intellect and all that. I mean, from our perspective, they're all kids. Right. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from, from their perspective, it's, it's very different. And so this is what it feels like is going on here. I think the, the main difference between, um, religions of any kind actually, and then spirituality is the uh, unity consciousness that spirituality promotes and, and strives for and understands is how I'll put it. Uh, and then the divisiveness or the fear-based ideologies of a two-party system that basically says, hey, this is great, this is not. Again, we, we went over that. But when it comes to um, things like spiritual enlightenment here, it does feel like it, you get to this this place where you look at people like that, and it's not a hierarchical thing. It's just like you said, we've been around the block a little bit. We're just a little bit sluttier uh, spirituality-wise <laughs> than the others because uh, we've been around the block. But it, uh, it just seems like they're very young uh, spiritually, right? And so it's kind of like this kindergarten way of introducing them to it. Okay, there's rules here. Follow this and then see if you get it right. And then they die and then they come back and they're like, okay, hang on. There was something weird about that last thing last time. And then maybe they get into it and then maybe they break out of it. And then maybe like you're born in the mountains of Tibet somewhere and you just start there. Uh, Who knows, you know, what that process looks like. But like you said, I think it is a little bit predetermined or pre-chosen by you. I think it's very like you came here for a reason. You knew what it was. And then they basically just give you amnesia and send you on the ride. Uh, But it, it does feel, though, that like, yes, they, but then folks that break out of that system, we can kind of look back at it and go, OK, we understand. Like, we get it. It, it is. It's, it's a safe thing. You don't have to think about it. But your questioning eventually and where, where it led to from, for you was you just kept questioning. For them, they get to the point where the questions stop and you shouldn't question. And that's enough for them. And that's OK. But you went past that. And of course, then, yes, it's just a, a stepping stone along the way. I'm glad you're here. You know, I mean, I think you do some wonderful work. Like I said, I've been following you on Instagram. I've been checking you out uh, and you're just awesome. So I, I do want to get into uh, some some deep shit here. So are you ready for that? Let's go. OK, so talk to me about white saviorism. OK, oh, man, um, I would say it's built into the system. Um, I feel like everything you're getting ready to ask me, I can just say it's built into the system. Uh, so, okay. The savior complex is literally like built into the system. Like Jesus died on the cross 
and this is their narrative. I feel like Jesus did other things and they just, they're not quite uh, reading their Bible with, with open enough eyes. Um, but in evangelical Christianity, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Um, and we are to model that, right? And so what happens is we enter into a, um, a ego narrative that we were fed. You must die to yourself. You must uh, die to save other people's sins. And so we enter into these sacrificial uh, situations where we are sacrificing a lot of time, a lot of money, and our egos are being validated and fed. Uh, I'm such a good person. I am so Christ-like would be what we get in return for doing something like that. Um, I would say that it's on like a, like a church wide basis. But then I would even say, I would even like, I would say as above, so below, even here and um, the relationship structures within the church also are deeply, deeply, uh, uh, let's see, influenced by codependency. Oh yeah. And so for me, uh, you know, engaging in like a marriage or friendships was always like, I'll give, you know, whatever, it, whatever you need, whatever it takes for you to be like safe, secure, happy, and had, you know, just all these horrible relationships, um, not, not necessarily with horrible people, but just the structure of a relationship was very unsound uh, and it was perpetuated. That was the, re the reward. Like, yes, you're doing a good job. Look at you. You're being so meek. You're not speaking any of your needs out. You're meeting all of your husband's needs. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it's just the whole thing is saviorism. So it's, it's very interesting. And the need, the feeling that you need to be saved or that you're not good enough to do it on your own is another big part of the system. And it's a, it's a big part of making you feel like you're so small and that you could never come up with anything on your own to solve your own problems. And that if something goes wrong, it's just God's plan. If something goes right, uh, then he works in, you know, he works miracles, right? Or if something goes wrong, he works in mysterious ways, all that shit. Uh, and it's just kind of built in. It's a default. This requirement to kind of yeah, this requirement to kind of languish under the weight of what God does not want you to do. Um, and as far as like the white component, uh, we've been missionaries for, we've been, <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've, the white people have been trying to save everyone um, for a very, very long time. Uh, and all we end up doing is, you know, giving everyone smallpox and stealing their land. So, <laughs> killing them and shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, we uh, aren't good at mission work. <laughs> yeah, ask the people of Sentinel Island uh, how mission work worked mm. out for them. And there was yeah. a great, there was a great South Park on this uh, also, where they like discovered they like had a wormhole and stuff. I don't know if you ever saw this, mm -hmm. but they like went into space, and so the evangelical church was raising money for the new spaceship three thousand that they had to go because they went and missioned over there, and then it turned into this big space battle and. It was really funny, and it was about that exact thing. And this imperialistic, and you know what, colonization, and it's spearheaded by you know God, right? And just like what the Crusades did to all those people, and what uh, you know Cortez did to all the damn Mayans and stuff. It's just crazy how that is the way you know to live, right? I know. And, and like, if seriously, the the thing that is so mind boggling is that it just wouldn't take such a hard look. Yeah. Like it, it violates so many of our innate, um, in, in, uh, our intuition, like 
this is not right. Like, we should know this. All it would take is just a slight, uh, just a slight questioning, a slight pushing, and we would be able to um, kind of explode the whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's interesting, too, that when we talk about things that like uh, polytheism, how it kind of just faded out and went into monotheism, do you think that that's going to happen with this as well? That it'll basically just, this will fade out and then we'll just move on into the Age of Enlightenment? Do you feel like that that could be a part of this uh, awakening or this ascension process going on? Um, you know, I, I feel like we need ego structures uh, and I don't feel like we have access to many good ones. Um, like, I feel like the church serves a really important role in uh, that ego development. I don't feel like there's another place for us to get such a strict rule book. Um, sometimes you can like engage in like, uh, you know, like if you, it's basically like finding a place to build your identity. Right. And so I don't think that we as a uh, collective consciousness have developed the awareness of how to build an identity in a safe, uh, healthy way. And so, and I, I mean, I, I definitely could be wrong, but I feel like the church will stick around until we as a collective rise a little higher and find different access points to this, this identity development. I love what you said. I think I think you really nailed it there. And that's kind of what I was trying to touch on earlier. You just nailed it with this. But it's the it's the fact that it has to be here. It's necessary. And on two levels, then, of course, the building of the ego, giving your identity, because then that identity can be molded into something new based on new information. And that's kind of a test spiritually, right? That may be part of all of this. It's, it's like, okay, do you have this uh, cognitive dissonance or are we going to move forward You know, with this new information and at least question a little bit? And it doesn't matter at which stage of your development that happens, right? Because there's no like... You know, you can come in, you know, and slide in right at the end. You don't have to buy crystals since you're like six years old and run around with them, right? There's no kind of time limit on this thing, but it is it is like a test. It's kind of like, okay, did they figure it out? Did they find the key to unlock the door? But it's a very necessary part of this entire process, and I could not agree with you more. And that's why I think maybe it's not necessarily some people, spiritually, if we want to humanize it, but if we're in a simulation, those would be the NPCs or the non-playing characters. Those would be the ones out there that are like perpetuating this matrix system that uh, is obviously not the choice. And people like me and you, we resonate with that. And so therefore, it's like, only maybe 20% of us are actually here, like our actual souls here. The others are just artifacts of the experience. This could be expressed in a creation type of a system, but all in, in, in a matrix, they're basically the same thing at a high level of technology, right? You wouldn't be able to tell. But uh, maybe this is part of it, right? Maybe all those people are out there to test our faith. It's kind of like that Bill Hicks thing. You know, he, Christians would bounce up to him and tell him that uh, dinosaurs... I think weren't real. And he was like, well, what's up with all those bones? And uh, the guy was like, well, God buried those there to test our faith. It's like silly, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of idiots sometimes. <laughs> it's gooberish. But Not it's that so... I identify with them, but yeah, God, <laughs> some of the things that we say, you know, God, God buried those bones. Really? Really? They, but the mental gymnastics you have to go through to perpetuate this ideology is fascinating to me. Yeah. It's just like really. Metal. And then and then the it is fucking metal, right? And then all the little stuff. Like you can even point out a bunch of things like, hey, are you wearing polyester and rayon together? Ah, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you know, burn in hell. Um, you know, did your daughter get raped? Oh, cool. You have to stone her to death now. Um, you know, all of these fun things that they don't want to, they, they pick and choose, you know, they're very choosy, you know, they're like, uh, I'm not supposed to eat shrimp. It's mentioned eight times in the Bible. Um, but I still do it anyway. Cause shrimp cocktails are super dope. Right. Uh, God will be fine. So with you're it. giving, 
You're giving all um, Old Testament examples, but let me give you a New Testament example. If you are a woman in church and you're not wearing a head covering, uh, that would be in violation of one of the um, many laws that Paul added to the pile after the fact. So, yeah, people can talk about the Old Testament. Oh, it's been redeemed by Jesus. We don't have to follow the Old Testament anymore. But in the New Testament, there's the same theme of you have to engage in cognitive dissonance. You have to pretend like the sky isn't actually blue when you're participating in the Christian religion. You know, if you're going to pick homosexuality to hyper fixate on and the Greek words, not even really very defined or clear and you're not going to wear a head covering, then you don't have any, you don't have any credentials at all. You know, like the, the gymnastics, again, it's just the gymnastics. You have to enter a space of cognitive dissonance when you're in um, Christianity, or you have to say this text is not, um, it's not literal. Like we can take it with a grain of salt. We can add a little nuance, but then there's the the next problem. They can't do that either. So. They can't. No, no, no. And it's people like uh, like Micah Dank. Have you ever heard of him? Astrotheologist. Okay, I've had him on. You got to check out that episode. It's great. I feel like I have. Okay, yeah. And then uh, David Warner Matheson as well. Unbelievable, dude. Uh, same thing. Astrotheologist looks at the myths and how they're related to stars. He does this across all religions. It's fascinating. These dudes are incredible. Um, but uh, what was I going to ask you? Okay, so I, I don't want to sit here and bash Christianity the whole time, but we totally could. Yeah. But this is this is kind yeah, of an could. echo chamber of that, and that's okay. We should talk about like Caesar Borgia, you know, where they get the uh, image of the Jesus, right? And that was created allegedly from this uh, emperor who wanted to be more powerful. So he uh, had somebody paint his son, and so there, therefore that would make him God. And that's a, that like iconic white Jesus that everybody sees running around. Uh, and that's what that is. Have you ever heard of the slave Bible? I don't think I have. I'm just going to kind of slam on it a little bit more and then we'll move on. Okay, Okay, I promise. Okay, so Slave Bible. So 1807, this was made for the uh, British West Indies colonies uh, for their slave population. Now, what's very interesting about this book is that it's it's redacted most of the Old Testament. Of course, all the things about Exodus and like being slaves and free and shit. (laughs) So it was heavily edited and influenced, which is very interesting too, because once I heard about the Slave Bible, I kind of jumped back thinking about like the Gnostic Gospels and stuff like that and all the things that were pulled out of the Bible that we see before us today. And one could argue that some of those Gnostic Gospels have some incredible wisdom in them to where it's like, oh, it's all going to work out and you're okay. And now you don't need some guy standing there in a weird hat that's shaped like a dick to tell you how to live your life. It's it's those things that are, were pulled out. And so I kind of have made the argument that the Bible that you see before you, the King James Version, uh, is a modern day slave Bible because there's been a ton of information and wisdom that's been redacted out of there to make you smaller than the ideology would like for you to believe. It's just crazy. But check out the Slave Bible. It's pretty interesting. It's just an okay. interesting yeah, concept. Absolutely. So you clearly don't believe in hell, and um, I'm right there with you. I think that that can be created here on Earth, and that it's a state of mind. But that's an enlightened perspective that you and I share. But what do you think God is? I mean, I think God can be lots of things. Um, he's a tough guy to pin down. Um, so I feel like personally, uh, and, and I feel like this is fluid for everybody, um, but personally, I believe that uh, God is consciousness. Okay. And so like, if we were to go back and back and back and back, no, there's not a beginning, but it's really hard for humans to conceptualize uh, 
something without a beginning. Um, and so for all intents and purposes, like we'll step into time and say at the very beginning of time, there was one uh, thing and that's all that there was. And this one thing did not know what it was. It had no self-awareness because it had no frame, uh, like no reflection, no, no frame of reference for what it might be. And so this one thing begin to frag fragment itself and fracture itself into pieces and create distance. And so now you have uh, souls, you have source, and then you have the space between. Uh, and now it has self-awareness because it has the capacity to see itself outside of itself, right? Um, and so I believe that everybody has a piece of this source consciousness within them. Um, I believe that like when you're going into a meditative space and you're going to, um, you know, try to astral project and you're trying to, uh, you know, connect with other higher beings and stuff like that. What I feel like you've done is you've tapped into the source consciousness that gives me the awareness that I am you, you know, I can call your energy forward because it's the same energy just expressing itself differently. And so to me, that is what God is. We are all God. I love it. Uh, same. Uh, we don't know, of course, but that's where I plant yeah. my flag. If I had to plant my flag, guess. that's where I'm at. Uh, and it's a beautiful way. So do you think that there's any right way to do this, that there's any one answer? Mm-mm. No. Um, on the macro uh well, I mean, this is like a trending. I see this everywhere all the time now, um, but we're just the universe trying to experience itself, right? Yep. So how the does the universe, right. yeah, how does the universe define what is right and what is wrong? Um, and so each individual comes to whatever incarnation that may be in whatever dimension or planet or uh, sphere or realm. Uh, and that is for the sole purpose of an experience. Now, I feel like each soul can have soul themes and soul purposes. Um, this is what a, a lot of what I'm like kind of doing in my, my new, uh, the quantum energy stuff that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I feel like each soul can have like a unique expression of source. Um, and so if you are to hold that up as like, this is my sole purpose, then maybe there is a right and a wrong way to do that. But I find that, a lot of times, if you have this sole purpose, you have to do it the wrong way so that you can uh, do it the right way. And wrong and right are in air quotes. You know, like it's not, you know, it's it's a complete human, um, like low vibe thing to be able to define what is right and what is wrong, I think. Yeah. I completely agree. Because a lot of times, and you knew this in the uh, near-death experience cases that come back and say that they weren't judged, they judged themselves. That no, they felt the most love and like nobody wants to come back. They're like, ah, oh, this place sucks. You know, it's all love up there and nobody judges me. It's great. Um, so what what do you see this awakening as? Uh, there's been a huge global shift here. We, I'm sure we're all feeling it. Uh, what do you think that, what do you think this is the result of? Um... A result of it seems I don't to know. be I think just, just progression yeah just kind of like skyrocket like, I think it's just I think I feel like I feel like it's just progress like it seems like we're going woo like that but I, I feel like that that's through the lens of just like a very human 
um, way to see things. Like, so it may, may have looked like a really steep incline to us down here, but uh, how do you put the framework in place to make such a steep incline happen? You know, we could have just been marching onward this whole time and we were always heading for this and everything had to happen. Like, like we were talking about in my life, like everything may have had to happen before we got to this place of ascension. And um, that, you know, it may have just been part of the, the gig. So um, I do sense that we're in a huge shift. Um, but I, I do feel like the shift was par for the course like we were always heading to the shift we were always going to ascend so yeah like it's inevitable that's brilliant yeah. um and and you know ancient cultures and stuff they talk about these large these long cycles right like the yugas and the mind calendar and stuff like that and then um with the alternative history kind of research that we've been doing here on the show uh there's there's this really interesting thing where it seems to be that these like I don't know, deaths and rebirths occur physically here a lot and on like 200 or 1,000 year cycles where it's like, okay, everybody gets their shot. It's like, um, it's kind of like uh, you rented out a paintball field for a little bit, right? And so we're out here and we're playing paintball and then Jimmy's party's at three. So we have to get off of this and then let somebody else use it. So it's like these people that come in and kind of recycle here and reincarnate here, like a little room that you like rent out for a little bit, right? And so, and then the cycle stops and then everything is reborn and then it starts over, but it does seem to take this natural progression just um, evolutionarily with the, with the belief systems because it does. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it does feel from our perspective, but I mean, I haven't been alive, you know, forever. And so from each generation's perspective, it's probably felt this sudden to all of them. Huh? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do feel like uh, everything kind of moves in a wave. And so like, what we see in history will continue to just to repeat itself um, probably into eternity. I, I feel like <clears throat> the structure of reality reflects itself everywhere. I don't go somewhere where I can't like internalize that and be like, yeah, that happens to me in the same kinds of ways and the same cycles and stuff like that. Um, for instance, like I was, I was on a live with my friend today and we were talking about, uh, how the like the menstrual cycle is connected to not the seasons of the year and the moon cycles. Um, and so that's one like reflection of nature taking place outside that we can kind of bring inside. And so I feel like if we see it out there and if we've seen it in history, we're just going to keep seeing it again in different new and different ways, you know. I, I heard this uh, saying, and I don't know if it's, I didn't do the research on it, but it said that there's only 39 stories, like, and that's it. Oh, okay. Like, there's 39 stories, yeah. period. And the Greeks figured this out years ago, and you cannot add any more. Like, that's it. We're maxed out. So it is interesting because, yes, you see these things like parrot over and over again, and they just seem to be cyclical, and they come back up. Uh, and on cycles, check out Jenny Rivers. I'm going to I'm gonna hook you up with her. I did an interview with her. She's amazing. This is what our conversation is about. She's great, right? Yeah. Gosh, yeah, cool. I loved it. Uh, and your friend is very, very cool as well. I did uh, catch the replay, not the live. So yeah. uh, we will probably wrap it up here. Um, but I, I want to know about what's your witchy shit that's coming up uh, that you put on your Instagram. <laughs> I'm very curious. I like the tease. And so do you mind talking a little bit yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I am... Oh, man, I'm like working. I just revamped my website and I'm just, I'm like, gonna have to revamp it again. Um, and so once I get that squared away, I'm going to start offering what I'm going to call soul mapping. 
Um, and what will happen is I will um, chat with you for about 30 minutes and kind of see what you're what you're wanting to know, um, where you're at, uh, kind of answer any questions you may have, because it's like this can be really jarring work, you know, um, and so then I'll enter a meditative space and I will um, welcome your uh, energy body into this space. I'll see how your chakras are functioning, uh, see how they're aligned, um, see if there's any blocks that need to be removed um, or worked on. Uh, and then what I've noticed in my practice, and this actually developed really or organically, um, I would just be like there working on the energy body and it's almost like I would feel like a tap on my shoulder and I'd be like, what are you doing here? Um, and I will go and meet your guides and your higher self. Um, and so I usually will find uh, things like soul purpose, um, like life themes, uh, answers about why things have been so difficult. Um, just really like archetypal, ancient type wisdom that your soul has to offer your 3D incarnation. Damn, so. that's cool shit. I I'm going to do one of those with you because I think that would be okay. a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. so cool. <laughs> uh, well, dude, Blair, you're a badass. Uh, of course, you uh, are welcome anytime. I'm going to link all the ways to find you down into the show notes. Um, guys, go check her out. You're you're incredible. Uh, an absolute delight. And they're just what you're doing with this religious trauma work is, I think, very, very necessary. You've definitely fulfilled a niche, but it's a niche that's very important. I mean, cause not a lot of people yeah. talk about that. And that's why like with religious trauma and stuff, they come out of that and they're just like, Oh my God. And usually there's a few components that come along with it. You realize that you've been lied to your whole life from everything. Like your government sucks. Uh, you know, the religion's bullshit. The earth is probably flat. I don't know. Uh, but you just get, <laughs> you get lied to about everything. So it's very jarring, but it's nice to have anchors and, and lighthouses out there like you specifically that are doing this kind of work. Cause that's, that's a beautiful thing that you're doing. It's, it takes a lot out of you. And I know that I saw one of your videos as well when you had gotten done with the wedding and you were just, you're exhausted and it's just because <laughs> it's so, so emotionally hard. draining. Yeah. But it's crazy cool that you facilitate that for those people. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And I don't think a lot of people would have thought about that. Okay. You had your spiritual awakening. You want to get married, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to go to church to do that, you know? So anyway, uh, yeah. but like I said, uh, you were a delight. You were welcome back anytime. Blair McDaniel. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. So happy we're friends. Oh, oh, soul, soul tribe for sure, soul sister. You welcome back any damn time. <laughs> Perfect. Man, I love that. I love Blair's perspective. I love the niche. And uh, what does she is doing for the folks with religious trauma is fascinating. Uh, all of this is very, very important. And it's not something that I don't think most of us talk about, which is why Blair's phenomenal. Uh, so check the show notes, guys, for all the ways to find her informal mystic will be linked down there as well as her website. So go check that thing out. Uh, the music actually that you're hearing right now is by good buddy Vinny the Saint. Make sure you check the show notes for him as well. And then if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That will be linked in the show notes as well. So I'll just go down there and check that out. Uh, big stuff coming next year. So this was just the foundation. This was the setup. Next year, big, big, big stuff happening. So um, if you've enjoyed the show up to this point, then uh, please continue to expand uh, your reality with us uh, with next year and moving forward. Because there's, like I said, just a lot of really, really cool stuff coming up, guys. 
So um, go out into this beautiful world this week and y'all just pick up a piece of litter. Uh, be nice to everybody that you come across. Open doors, smile at folks. You know, it's not hard to not be a piece of shit. So just try it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, also go and buy somebody a coffee or a meal uh, in line around you. Hand out bottles of water for folks that, you know, look thirsty on the street. Just, you know, there, there's a, a massive amount of ways that you can alter the reality in which you live. And it's very simple, small things. And all of it has to do with just how you treat yourself and how you love yourself of course but also your interactions with everybody on a day-to-day level we're all out here co-collectively creating this reality together so let's do it let's make a kick-ass one right i mean if you can create any reality you want why wouldn't it be the dopest shit you can think of right so uh also while you're doing all of that stuff uh, it's dopest shit of you to get out of that left-hand lane if you got somebody wanting to pass you behind there uh, that's a great way to raise the vibe on the planet so let's do that and then of course above and beyond anything else go out into this beautiful place guys whatever the fuck this thing is and y'all just be good to one another that's it just be good to one another and uh thank y'all so much for listening we will see you next time